Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14. For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. Hey, we're starting a new series today. A new series today. Oh my goodness, I feel the glory of God on me. Isn't that awesome? Do you feel it on you? I mean, he's some kind of good. Oh, Jesus, I love you so much. So, you know, the Bible is full of stories where, where people got taken on, uh, on funny detours or funny things or found themselves in places that just didn't seem like they were fair. You know what I mean? Have you ever been in a place where it's not fair? You know, so today we're going to talk about divine detours, you know? And I was in, uh, we were in Barbados, and we finished our vacation on the Saturday, and we'd done some ministry in the church there, and, and uh, we were on our way home, and when we got to the counter, we were coming through America. You see, I, I was using some air miles, and when you use air miles, you often don't get direct flights. You get those four flights where you fly to Japan, then back to China, then Hong Kong, and then about three days later, you get back to Canada, you know? But praise God, it was free. It knocked the stuffing out of you. But hey, you know, glory to God. Anyways, it wasn't that bad. It was like a three jaunt through the state, you know, off to Houston, you know, over to Dallas, and, and then a little jaunt, and then up to Toronto, then back to London. And I was like, Lord, we got there. We get there, though, at the desk. And they said, Mr. Thomas, we are so sorry, but we gave your seat away. I went, what do you mean you gave my seat away? Well, we've overbooked the plane, and we're sorry, but you don't have a seat on it. I went, What? said, we're going to keep you here in Barbados for a day. So I went, well, praise the Lord. <laughs> but I was like, you can't do that. I've got to be home tomorrow. I'm a preacher. I got to preach at church. They said, we are so sorry. You know, we're going to put you up in a really nice hotel. Yeah, I got to get home. You got to boot somebody off that plane. They said, we can't. I said, oh my goodness. I'm pulling out my cell phone. I'm calling back to Canada. Going, somebody got to fill in for me. I got to find somebody to preach tomorrow. And I'm making all these calls. And then all of a sudden they came running over to me and said, Mr. Thomas. We can put you on Air Canada. It's a direct flight, and you're going to get there tonight, and it's going to be quicker than your other flights. Praise the Lord! You know, sometimes you, you have these things that look like they're going to be awful, but you know what? It ends up working in your favor. I'll tell you this. So many places in the Bible, it looks like a messy beginning, but you know what? God is always ready to do something in your favor. And grace is always getting the very, very best of God. Sometimes we don't even know the journey for the best of God, so we complain sometimes on the journey. We get a little miserable on the trap. Well, this ain't fair. This ain't fair. How many on a journey right now are you feeling this ain't fair? Just me. Two people. How many been on a journey where like, this ain't fair? You know what? Hang in there, because I'm telling you, God is faithful. He's always going to see you through. I, I was around the office today, well, this week. I was using that phrase, it's due season. It's due season, because it says you will reap a harvest in due season if you don't quit, right? So I was just walking around, it's due season. This is due season. Can you say due season? I'm telling you, this is due season. It's due season. We've been sowing seed. I got seed in the soil. We've been working this ground for over 30 years. I've been sowing seed all over this city and this region, and I'm declaring right now, it's time. It's due season. I rebuke any delay, and I call in a breakthrough in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, that's that set there. That set. That set. You can stay. The rest of you in a coma. I don't know what's going on. 
Hey. Thank you. All right. So I love in the Bible, you got David. You know, David was thought to be an illegitimate child. That's why he was out with the sheep. You know, you know, you made people take care of the sheep who were the worst people in your world. I mean, David, he was a son of his father. And here's the job he gets. He gets the job of the worst servant. You get to go out there in the fields and live with the sheep. But you know, David had a bad start. I mean, he, it wasn't fair. But you know, David hung in there and David got out there and he's out with the sheep singing. What do you want to hear now? You want to hear, ba, ba, black sheep, have you any wool? Oh, you're tired of that one? Let me sing another one. Wooly, wooly, hey, wooly, wooly. He's out there singing, writing songs, praising Jesus, killing bears, killing lions. He didn't say it's not fair. He did what was in his hands. He, he did what was before him. He became the best shepherd you could be and said, this ain't fair, but I tell you, there's a destiny in my life. You know, and then suddenly one day he gets called to the house. They go, hey, you, I don't know what's going on, but dad wants you. And then the prophet, the prophet came. He said, one of your sons, he says, he's not here. You know why he wasn't there? Because the father didn't believe he's legitimate. And then suddenly he's got to bring him from the field. He goes, well, I got one more. I think he's mine. I'm not sure, but go get the kid. Brings him in. And then Sammy says, ah, there he is. Life change. It was a big journey from there. If you read on, it wasn't all, you know, bells and roses, but uh, praise Jesus. Your destiny will come and nothing can keep you from it. It's due season. It's due season. It's due season. Due season. I remember Jephthah. You remember Jephthah? Jephthah, he's one of the judges, one of my favorite judges, Jephthah. Jephthah got brought home by dad and he gets brought into the family, but Jephthah is the son of a prostitute. Everybody knows it. The brothers are like, oh my God, we got to put up with him. This is dad's offspring of a prostitute. And he brings him home and he's family. But then dad dies. And when dad died, they said, finally, we don't have to treat you with any respect anymore. They booted him out. But Jephthah says he went to Tob. Can you say Tob? You know what Tob means? It means good. You know where Jephthah went? When he got kicked out of the house, when he said, you know what? I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask to be born in that family. I didn't ask to be born of a prostitute. I didn't ask for any of this. It's not fair. He didn't go to it's not fair. He went to Tob. You know what Tob means? Tob means good. You know what he did? He went to where it's all good. Can you say good? You know, and you keep yourself soaked in the goodness of God. Because God right now is at work for good to all those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So it doesn't matter what you see, you keep fixed in the all good realm. Amen. Amen. Then there's Jabez. I put the whole Jabez thing on there. Remember the Jabez prayer? Does anybody remember that? I preached that before it was published. I didn't know it was a book. God gave me a book and I preached it. I preached it from a cardboard box. I wrote the sermon out on a Sunday afternoon in a prayer meeting where I was with 10 ladies praying. There's another scripture in the Bible that says, look at you, all your warriors are women. And I went, look at me, all my warriors are women. But there I was, I had to preach that night and I'm trying to find a verse. I always liked that, that Jabez guy. His name meant bucket of mire or pain. Hey, bucket of mire, time for dinner. Come on in, Bucket of Mire. You have a wonderful future, Bucket of Mire. This is Jabez. You know, here's what Jabez said. Now Jabez. He was more honorable than all his brothers. When you hear that, you go, what was he? Why was that? His mother called his name Jabez because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the Lord God of Israel. He said, oh, that you would bless me indeed, enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. See, I've been identified as pain. I've been identified as bucket of iron. But you know what? I'm going to change that whole thing. I'm going to change. I love it when people initiate their own breakthrough. 
I love it when people take the blessing of God in their own hands and actually take him at his word and I believe what he's saying about me really is true and I'm not going to wait for nothing. I'm going to make it happen for myself. And we read that book and everybody got happy and went, oh my goodness, look, we can actually pray for ourselves. We can bless ourselves. We can command our future to be wonderful. Yes, you can. And you know what? If you're in the not fair realm, why? You don't have to stay in the not fair realm. You don't got to wait for anything. You already have permission to grab onto and lay hold of the goodness of God in your life, and you can change wherever you are in the name of Jesus. A woman with the issue of blood. She's got an issue of blood. She hears about Jesus. She said, I'm going to change my future. I mean, the centurion said, I got a servant. I'd love to see him healed. I'm going to change his future. I love it when people take it in their own hands. What are you taking in your own hands? What are you declaring over you? It's due season for me. Well, seed time and harvest, pastor. Well, you know, it says in the last days, the plowman will overtake the reaper. It says the one that is sowing, the one who is reaping. What does that mean? You're going to sow with one hand, you're going to collect with the other. You're going to go, seed, harvest. Seed, harvest. Seed, harvest. How you turn water into wine? Seed, harvest. Water can turn into wine. It goes through that process with the grapes and all that. But the water turns into wine. Sometimes it takes time. But you know, you can step in and you can go, I don't know where that came from, Terry. Careful, I'm not spitting on you. Seed harvest. I feel like we're stepping into that time, seed harvest. I feel like we're stepping into that acceleration where the cycles are going to, it says in the last days, the cycles are going to overlap. They're going to accelerate. Amen. I got a whole sermon I'm trying to get to, Pastor Cheryl. Can you say, come on? All right, praise Jesus. All right, here we go. Here we go. John 4. We're going to look at John 4. So I'm in John 4. I'm not going to read the whole chapter for you, but we're going to look at some things, some, some not fair stuff, and look at how the grace of God invades circumstances in John 4. Now, John 4, 4 says, but he needed to go through Samaria. He needed to go through Samaria. You got it on your screen. We got it up here on the wall. You'll, you'll see, you can see there's, a, there's a, a way of going through Samaria that's a direct straight line. It's a straight line, but see the other path the dotted path that's where the jews went the jews would not go through samaria because they were they were they were worse than gentiles they were people that when uh, they got taken and sent into captivity, some folks were left behind, and they ended up marrying men and women of other nations, and they became a mixed breed of people, and you're not supposed to do that, and they really felt that the reason we were sent into captivity is because we behaved like this, so they were like, these people, they're awful, we want nothing to do with them, because they're the reason that God rejected us, so we don't even want to go through Samaria, we don't want to see those people, we don't want to hang out with them, they are evil, they're some evil folks, so they don't want anything to do with them folks. So they would always go around. They would take a massive detour just to go around all of that, and that was their direct line to Galilee. So between Judea and Galilee, they always don't go through Samaria. So you got a whole group of people who never went through Samaria. And now suddenly, here's Jesus, and he's taking these lads through Samaria. So he's taking these Jewish young men down a road they've never traveled before. You know, sometimes when God's ready to do something big in your life, he's got to shift some. He's got to cause some repentance. He's got to bring about some change of mind. He's got to rework the way you see the world. The whole world, I tell you, a lot of North America is going to go through some repentance in the next little while because they got to change their mind. They've been, they've been leaning on the weak arm of Egypt and the horses of Egypt and the strength of this world and carnal things to bring about a spiritual victory. And I tell you, there's got to be some repentance. And God Almighty is going to take us through stuff to align our minds with the kingdom of God. Things are going on and it's okay because God's at work for good, says the Lord. I'll tag that on for it if you want. 
And that's not just today. I've been saying that for weeks. Something is messed up when we actually are betting on the wrong horse. We're trying to get a spiritual result using a, using a carnal vehicle. God won't have it. It's not there. Anyway, don't want to meddle there. Just lost half the room. He needed to go through Samaria. Man, sometimes you got to go through things that you don't expect. Why did he do that? He took these guys through, took them through a divine detour designed to confront their learned culture of generational bigotry. A learned culture, generational, hundreds of years of hatred had been established. They would go up and, you see, they didn't want the Samaritans. The Samaritans still wanted to worship. They still wanted to practice and worship God, but they wouldn't let them. They wouldn't let them in their churches. They kicked them out. And then you guys can't come. So they decided where we're going to practice our own worship of God here, where our ancestors were, where where Abraham and Jacob had a well, and where we're going to worship over on this mountain, but we're going to worship your God. We're going to set up our own system. But you see, the Jews thought that was deplorable, so they went up and they destroyed their temple and, and destroyed everything. And I mean, this was a nasty relationship between these cultures. But then Jesus said, you and I, we must go through Samaria. We must go through Samaria. So Jesus took these guys through Samaria. Warren Wiersbe, in his commentary, said, so intense with their dislike of the Samaritans that some of the Pharisees prayed that no Samaritan would be raised in the resurrection, which means I hope every one of them goes to, hey there, say there, what's that score? I want them all to go to, is what they wanted. That's the way they felt. Pretty rough. And you know what, when, when you got that going on, you, you, can't, you can't have that kind of hatred in your heart and be following Jesus. You can't have that kind of hatred in your heart and be used by God. So quickly, some lessons from these guys. Three results of following Jesus. You're going to find yourself walking towards things that you normally avoid. You're going to find yourself, things that you thought you would avoid, things that you thought you would never engage, things you thought you would not encounter. When you're following Jesus, you're going to experience a little bit of discomfort because you're going to find there's times that he is going to take you into places where I usually avoid that. You're going to find that uncomfortable situation confronted in your life because there's a lot of people that are broken and messed up who need you to show up. And that's what Jesus was doing. That's what he did. A lot of times we avoid these things. We stay away from these things. What do you avoid? What are you avoiding right now? I mean, what, what are you unwilling to commit to? And, and the, you know, wholeness cannot be manifest, but God is committed to making you whole. He's committed to dealing with those issues in your own heart. Isn't that good? Aren't you glad that God won't let you stay the way you are? He loves you too much to leave you like that? I love in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, your soul, and your body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, aren't you glad? He's working on you. He's working on your attitudes, everything in you. He's not just, he's not just healing your body and blessing you, but he's dealing with your wrong attitudes, and he's bringing repentance to the minds and the hearts of believers today. So you're going to find yourself walking places that you usually avoid it. Number two, you're going to find yourself walking towards things you don't understand. I don't understand. I mean, here they are. They come to Samaria with Jesus, and then Jesus says, go down into that Samaritan market and see if you can get us something to eat. Now, I'm not only going through Samaria, but now we're going to stop and have lunch. I mean, can't we just go quick? No, I won't. We're going to stop here. We're going to stop at the 7-Eleven, go in there and get some snacks or something. I'm a little hungry. So now I got to go, and I can't just pass through Samaria. I got to start engaging. I got to go to market. I got to talk to one of them. One of them. 
Jesus takes you towards things you avoid. He takes you towards things where you don't understand. A lot of times, I, I understand. I think I understand. I think they thought they understood. They understood that Jesus is crazy. This is crazy. And you know why? Because when they came back after picking up a few bagels and some cream cheese, they came back. And John 4, 27 says they marveled. They were surprised. They were shocked. They were astonished. He's talking to a woman. I mean, what are you doing? He's totally lost his mind. They were astonished, but nobody said anything. They were afraid to say anything. They all wanted to. Wrong. What is he doing? Why is he doing that? Does it just not? You know, we're in Samaria. No, what's going on? He wants to challenge what you think you understand as the right. And you know, if you already know it all and you got it all right, God bless you. Have a nice life while the rest of us move on to the absolute wholeness of God. You got to love Kyle. You know why I love Kyle? Because his biceps are bigger than my head. So that's why I love Kyle. Because my God, it's just like, he just walked up to me and said, hi. I said, I love you. <laughs> Please be on my team. <laughs> if I ever need a bouncer. <laughs> you, my guy. All right. You ever had a sermon where you preach? You felt like you need a bouncer? This could be one of those. I don't know. <laughs> Number three. Number three, we find ourselves walking towards a greater capacity to express unconditional love. When you're following Jesus, he's going to challenge you, and he's going to remove every obstacle to you being like he is, to you loving like he does, to you accepting like he does, to you forgiving like he does. If you're going to walk with Jesus, he's going to challenge you to love and your capacity of love to be enlarged like you've never seen it before. Can I get an amen? Now, why is all that important? Why do you think you did that? I'll tell you why. Acts 1, verse 8. Here's Acts 1, verse 8. And you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. And he had to name this one area. He didn't include it in the whole world. He had to name in your hometown, in your home nation, and the whole world. He didn't do that. He didn't say in your hometown, in your home nation, in the whole world. He said in your hometown, in your home nation, and Samaria, and the whole world. Because I'm going to send you guys to Mary. When I'm gone, I want you to have a working revelation of how it is to be a missionary in places you don't understand. How to be a missionary in areas where you've been taught systematically to, to discard and not understand. And he's going to come and he's going to touch you and he's going to move in your life. Can I get an amen for that? Let me read you a verse. You ready? Amos 4, or say Amos 5, 24. It's from the message. It says this. It says, do you know what I want? Do you know what I want, what I really, really want, what I really, really want? Do you know what I want, what I really, really want? I added the really, really want to that, by the way. Do you know what I want? I want justice. Oceans of it. Do you know what I want? I want fairness. Rivers of it. Do you know what I want? That's all I want. That's all I want. You know, we are representing him, which means should we not know what he wants? Should we not be representing what he wants? So Jesus had to take those guys on a bit of a mission trip to change and transform their whole minds. These people are worth it. These people are loved by God. And you should never devalue any other human being. I don't care what their beliefs, values, blah, blah, blah. You're not called to analyze them or argue with them. You're called to love them. Hello. 
All right, so those are those three things. Did you get those three things? I want to turn a corner because there's another person in the story. I'm going to go through this quick. Now, you see, now Jesus shows up, and when he, he goes there, he sends the boys away, and he sits on the well. He's sitting on the well. This is the source of clean water for the whole city. He's sitting on the well. If anybody now is going to come to the well, they're going to have to interact with Jesus. He wasn't under a tree laying down, taking a nap. He was sitting on the well. So now there's a woman who comes, and she comes in the middle of the day, in the sixth hour, and the reason she comes at that hour is because she's a broken mess. She's despised by everybody in town. She feels like she's loathed everywhere. She loathes herself. And so she comes in the middle of the day when she knows no one will be there. And so she comes, and she walks up, and she's made this journey to get some fresh water, and all of a sudden, it's not just somebody on the well. It's a Jewish rabbi, and he's not just near the well. He's sitting right on top of it it's like madonna showing up at the bank and there's only one teller on the bank i have to go to the bank i have to deal with this teller and when she walks in the door and she sees the only teller is donald trump what's he doing here i'm not trying to mess with you i understand all the tension around all of that today but I, I use that because it's current in your minds to tell you that sometimes we don't get a picture of the division and strife that are in people's lives. But this woman was blown away that I have to somehow interact with this guy or I got to go back home and come back another time. And then he doesn't just sit on the well. He engages her first, says, hey, could you give me a drink? What? First of all, I'm a woman. In our culture all around the world back then, being a woman, it would have been, you would have been treated better as a family cow. I mean, the Jews would wake up in the morning and pray, thank God I'm not a woman and I'm not a Gentile. Imagine being a daughter in that house and hearing that. Well, dad's just awesome. Thank God I'm not a woman. You don't learn. You don't get educated. You don't get trained for anything. And this is their culture. So here's this woman. So she's there. Not only that, but she's a Samaritan woman. She says, this is really weird. And then this guy, he asked me for a drink. So can I have a drink, please? Can I have a drink? So we're going to have an encounter. Now, four things about encountering the grace of God. Are you ready? We're wrapping up with this. So I want you to listen. Four things. Number one, you realize that every natural well will leave you thirsty. When you encounter the grace of God, you're going to realize that every natural well will leave you thirsty. Because he got into some dialogue, and, and he, she said, you don't have anything to draw water with. Because he said, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me for a drink. And she's like, you can't even, you can't only have a bucket to draw. You get nothing to get water with. He says, you don't understand. If you knew who I was, you would ask me for a drink, and I would give you living water. I would give you something that would satisfy you forever. I would give you something that is eternal, that is going to be there forever. But she had to realize, because she'd been through this life already, because they have a conversation, and he, he says, look, um, you're interested, so go get your husband and we'll talk. And she said, uh, I don't have a husband. He said, oh, that's right. You're not married right now to the guy you're living with, and you've had five husbands. And she's like, oh, boy. So she's like, I can see you're a prophet. 
Wow, that's pretty bizarre. But I want you to understand something. Five represents five senses. I've tried every bit of my senses. I've tried everything the world will offer me, and I'm absolutely dissatisfied with everything. And then the sixth man that I don't want to connect myself with, in this situation, I want to stay the number of man, number six, the number of man. I'm going to stay in control of my own destiny. I'm just hanging out with this guy. I'm just living with this guy, because I'm not going to commit myself to that anymore, because I realize that's a dead end. There's nothing that you can sense, feel, or touch, or experience in this world that will ever satisfy you. The only way you can ever experience satisfaction is through a living and breathing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the way life is designed. So here's a broken woman, and you gotta understand, we're talking five marriages, folks, five. And you know, in that culture, she didn't get to pick her husband. In that culture, she didn't get to pick being divorced. In that culture, you know what, basically five men had said, I'm done with you, sweetie. Five men had discarded her, booted her to the side, and she was so ashamed of herself. She was so broken. That's why she's there at noon hour. But Jesus said, I must go through Samaria. I want to teach you boys something, but I also, I got a divine appointment with a broken life. And you know, she could be there. I'm coming at noon hour because it's not fair. I'm coming at noon hour because I don't want to see anybody. I'm coming at noon hour because I don't even care about anything anymore. I don't want to be seen by anybody. I'm so full of shame and despair. It's not fair. If anybody could say it's not fair, it's that woman at the well in Samaria. And yet Jesus had to go through Samaria. He had to meet her. And you know what? He has to meet you. Wherever you are in your not fair world, wherever you are in a broken situation or circumstance, wherever you are, he is standing right in your face. He is there. He is ready to engage your situation. And wherever you might say it's not fair, he is ready to pour out and manifest the grace of God. It's not fair. It's not fair. Here, number two is the supernatural, eternal, internal fountain of life that alone can satisfy your thirsty soul is the gracious gift. Say gift. Your healing is a gift. Your breakthrough is a gift. Your satisfaction is a gift. You get the drink from the well is a gift. He will give you living water. Do you know how powerful the gospel is? Do you know how powerful it is to have his life, his eternal life inside of you, springing up like a fountain? Do you know how powerful it is to take someone from brokenness and hopelessness and get them connected with the living God and the gospel that powerfully, eternally, supernaturally changes their life and abides with them forever do you know that that's a gift from God that you have you didn't earn it you were special God went through a situation he went down the street he went through a building he went through a room so he could find you and he's still doing it today and that's why Stefan is not trying to help poor people he's trying to pastor poor people here's some water but I have something way better than that I want to give you living water that'll transform your life forever and you'll never be the same he'll never leave you he'll never forsake you he'll never disappoint you every other thing might have not satisfied you but he will never ever let you down wow Man, and it's a gift. You can't earn it. You didn't do anything to get it. And if you think you earn it, you literally disqualified yourself from it. Because it's salvation by faith alone in the gracious act of Jesus Christ. Oh. 
breathless, breathless. Number three, you get healed and delivered from your pain and shame. Here's what she does. After hearing this, she drops her water pot. It's like take the mic, drop, total mic drop. She's like, what does she do? The people that she wants to avoid because she's so depressed and covered with shame, she suddenly, in the middle of the day, is running into town. Hey, all you people that can't stand me. Hey, all you people that I'm afraid to be with because I'm such a self-loathing loser. Hey, here's the gospel. Here's the message. You ready? I just met Jesus, and he wants to set you free. That's not what she said. Here's the message. I mean, we're trying to be cute with our message. Here's her message. Come and see somebody who told me everything about myself. Come and see somebody who told me everything I've ever did. I don't know about you, but when I read that, I'm kind of like, well, don't tell them everything. So you know about that too? I do. And that, yeah. Hey, guys, come see someone who knows everything I've ever done. How is that a good news message? I mean, immediately I go like, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with that. But she was. I thought that message should cause shame, but it didn't. You remember, uh, I think I got it here, A.W. Tozer said, the sweet language of experience is, thou God seest me. When the eyes of the soul looking out meet the eyes of God looking in, heaven has begun right here on earth. Jesus, the person she thought I need to avoid, she had an encounter with grace. And you know what? It took every mess in my life and it made it okay. I'm not at odds with my failures and my disappointments. I don't even care because suddenly my tragedy has become a platform for me to share the goodness of God. Ha! The people online are dancing around their chairs at home. You can't sit where you are. They're running around their Chesterfields. How many know what a Chesterfield is? It's kind of like a sofa. Chesterfield, you know what a Chesterfield is, right? Us good, proper British folk, we get that stuff. Tottenham fan I don't know about. But anyways, let's not get distracted. Jesus, isn't he a good God? Tell your eyes to smile. Hey, you get delivered from all this. I mean, isn't it beautiful? There's, listen, let me, let me say something to you. Ready? There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Here's a woman who, who life wasn't fair, who felt like, I don't have a future. It's not getting better from here. She suddenly took all of her brokenness and used it as a gospel message. Come and see someone who knows everything about me. And here's the good thing. He knows everything about you. And yet, remember in the garden when they blew it and they went and hid and sowed some fig leaves? And what did God say? You losers! He said, where are you? Where are you? He never once said, you're such a disappointment. Never once. What he said was, where are you? And then they said, oh, <laughs> here we are. What are you wearing? That's crazy. Well, we realized we're naked, so we made some clothes. What do you think? Well, it's not, uh, you know, it's not Daniel Hector. <laughs> Does anybody even buy Daniel Hector? Is that even around anymore, Daniel Hector? It's the last time I bought a suit. But he looks at me and says, who told you you were naked? Who told you that? See, life wants to scream at you. You're naked. You're inadequate. You're all those things. But you see, when Jesus looks at you, it doesn't matter. There's no shame. There's no fear. There's just completeness. 
He's such a good God. So you get delivered from your shame. And here's the last one. You ready? Your freedom is a platform for manifesting city-transforming power of the grace of God. A whole city comes to Jesus. Not just any city. A Samaritan city. Come and see this Jewish rabbi. Are you out of your mind? Not only do we want to see him, but we want to ask him to stay for a while. We're going to put you up in the Delta Armories. Would you hang with us for a bit? We'd like you to spend more time. And what's happened with her? Her message is so clear. It's so full. It radiates from her. The, the freedom that she is experiencing, I want some. And if you're the dispenser of that, I'd like some too. And a broken woman saying, everything about me is a platform to demonstrate God's goodness. Change the whole city. And then Jesus and his racist little disciples got delivered from their problems. They stayed a few days. Not only are we going through, but we're going to stay. We're going to let Jesus transform a whole city. How do we change the city? Well, we got to get enough churches together in a room. We got to stand up and say, Oh, God, we're so sorry. One person's story. One person being delivered from shame. You know, we'd go to those meetings and you actually come feeling, we're ashamed, we're losers, we're useless, but would you please overlook it and come? The gospel says, I haven't overlooked it, I've covered it, not only covered it, I've delivered you from it, it doesn't even exist anymore. And therefore, as a story, it's impotent to harm me or touch me. But as a story now, it has power to change the world. Hey! It's not fair! Yeah, it's not fair. It's a miracle. It's a journey to manifesting heaven on earth, manifesting a life truly transformed and touched by the love and power of Jesus. John 4, 42, now they said, now we believe, and not because of what you said, but for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ. What do we know? We know that this is indeed the Christ. I love that. The Savior. What, what did they know? They knew that he's not just the Savior of our city or me, but he is the Savior of the world. Wow. Have you been touched by the Savior of the world? Have you been, been impacted? Have you got a river of life inside of you? Have you got a well inside of you that's eternal? It's powerful. It's just never, ever going to let go. It's a river of life and salvation. Have you got that? Because that's salvation. It's, it's being satisfied. I don't thirst anymore. I'm a dispenser of life. There's a river gushing out of my belly that brings freedom everywhere I go by telling people about how beautiful it is to be loved, to be forgiven, to be understood, and to be absolutely accepted by God himself. One more verse. John 4, 13 and 14. But whosoever drinks the water that I shall give him, whoever drinks the water that I shall Give him. Whoever drinks the water that he shall earn. No, it says, whoever shall drink the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up to everlasting life. Come on, would you stand with me, please? Jesus. Hey. Oh, don't you feel him? Don't you? Did anybody get just a little bit of a hug from Jesus? Anybody got a little wet kiss on the side of your nose? Jesus, we love you.
Listen, can you just bow your heads and believers were praying and even you're watching online, just, just bow your head. All the believers are praying, we're praying. Now listen, if you've not encountered Jesus, if you've not looked into the eyes that when they look back in your soul, they bring absolute freedom and power, if you've never encountered him and said, be the savior of my life, I want you to do that right now. If you say, Pastor, I'd like to do that. How do I do that? I'm going to count to three. I'm going to go one, two, three, and then you're going to put up your hand, and I'm going to pray for you, and you're going to pray with me. But if you want Jesus, if you want to engage him, if you want to encounter that wonderful, amazing grace, when I count to three, would you put up your hand really high? You ready? One, two, three. Just put your hand up very high. Very, very high. Anyone, all around. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Even online, if you put your hand up, thank you. Thank you. Now, we're going to pray for you. We're all going to pray. So we're all going to pray right now. You ready? Lord Jesus, thank you for being my Savior. Thank you that I am forgiven, that I am healed, and that I am free. I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Well, welcome to the family of God. Amen. Isn't that good? Hey, uh, 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 Joshua, you got these, those new socks. Did you bring any with you? Those walking in the word socks? I mean, they look really, really good. I tell you, I, I actually was like, my God, don't you walk a walk in healing every day? We got to get a bunch of those socks for the bookstore. I just think that's a great idea. Then when I'm somewhere and I lift up my leg, cross my leg, someone will see healing on my feet. And you know, these are the feet that bring the gospel of good news, and a part of the good news is healing. But Joshua has had these socks made that have uh, healing scriptures on them. I think that's so awesome, don't you? And bless you guys. Congratulations. I mean, you totally got a pair. Fantastic. Totally sold out of your book. Are they republishing that now? They're doing more copies? 10,000 copies sold in six days. Like, that's ridiculous. So that's awesome. Yeah. So we thank God for the favor on their lives. And you know what you say when you see somebody just moving in favor? You know what you say? Oh, crap. No, you know what you say? Next. Just get in line and say, yeah. You know, because God wants to use you to be a, a, a vehicle and a broker of hope and dispensing all good things. My wife is tapping her clock. So bless you guys. Let me bless you. Father, bless this house. Bless each and every one. Thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for just a wave of your glory over this region. We thank you that, Lord, I believe you have preserved and you have protected. But Father, we pray that this COVID-19, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that it is dealt with. We thank you that at the cross, when your back was torn open, it included COVID-19. And it has no right, no place to afflict or to touch. We command it to cease and desist. Every innocent person, every, every life, where it's caused fear and it's caused all other manner of things, we curse it in the name of Jesus, we thank you that we are blessed in the mighty name of Jesus. So, Father, bless right now. Bless this house. Let the, let the love of the Father be so evident in every life. Let the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ tackle them, tickle them, and manifest favor every day. And Holy Spirit, thank you that you are with me. I have divine partnership in everything I do. Take me, put me on like a garment, and reveal the tender heart of God everywhere I go. In Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, Amen.